Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. The US, UK and Australia announce a joint security initiative that will give Australia nuclear-powered submarines for the first time. In return, Pretty Patel has asked Scott Morrison to send her a spare offshore island so she can torture migrants on it. The government plans to allow shops to once again sell in Great British pounds and ounces as part of its post-Brexit changes to EU laws. For millennials and Zoomers that have never used imperial measurements, Brexit makes the transition nice and easy, because non-existent produce on empty shelves also weighs nothing in metric. Andrew Neil leaves GB News, claiming that his political views made him a minority of one in the boardroom. And if there's one thing GB News isn't a fan of, it's minorities with political views. And finally, all-time comedy great Norm Macdonald dies aged 61, and in the most fitting tribute to him that this show can think of to offer you, we'd just like to remind you that in 1994, O.J. Simpson killed two people. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're joining us for a new, freshly shuffled IC News, where the same revolving carousel of talentless hacks are moved around a bit in an attempt to convince you that despite the many disasters you suspect we may be culpable for, we're actually very effective and efficient, and everyone here knows exactly what they're doing. It's been a good few days of deliciously ample news, and as journalists, it's sometimes hard to know which story to ogle and harass from the passenger seat of a white van first. The British government have positively bombarded us with stimuli, from the brutal reorganisation of Boris Johnson's cabinet to the announcement of the new AUKUS security pact. The new arrangement between Australia, the UK and the US will see military technology shared and Australia gain nuclear-powered submarines for the first time, in an attempt to counter Beijing's rising influence and military brinkmanship in the Indo-Pacific. So, you know, good to see that we've learned so many hard lessons about military interventionism recently. Here in the studio to discuss this story, and stepping somewhat out of his remit this week, it's our normally royal correspondent Sebastian Forlock. Thank you for having me, Sam. May I just say, this expansion of my role is much appreciated. Nothing gives me greater pride than celebrating the influence abroad of our great empire. This new security pact is a bold and decisive move from a prime minister keen to defend human rights around the globe. Unless they happen to be arriving by dinghy, of course. Ugh, really? Is that going to be your tone here? This is one of the most significant international defence treaties of the last few decades, and you're choosing to come at it with that level of pettiness. For shame. Well, I'm not the only one who's got concerns about this pact, Sebastian. It's obviously angered China, but it's also infuriated a traditional Western ally in France. 
This new arrangement effectively nullifies a multi-billion dollar submarine deal they had with Australia, and France's foreign minister has called it a brutal, unilateral and unpredictable decision. In fact, he compared it to the sort of impulsive policy announcement the world had come to expect under President Trump. Well, that's a silly overreaction, isn't it? Thank goodness our foreign secretary isn't prone to such absurd flights of hyperbole. It's a disgrace. The French will be fine. They're just salty that their anti-Brexit posturing has cost them 11 wonderful Marks and Spencers franchises this week. Yeah, I'm somehow not sure that the land of Champagne and Camembert will be that bothered about losing Colin the Caterpillar. I imagine it's very much the billions the French now stand to lose that's aggravating them. From our perspective, the UK's involvement in that loss is unlikely to ease any of our own border tensions with France. Now, that's just politically short-sighted of you, Sam. I've never known a Frenchman to hold a grudge against the British, have you? What you have to understand, dear boy, is that this move reflects our new global-facing Britain. A Britain that doesn't just cleave to its allies in Europe, but also faces outwards to the rest of the world. A what, in a desperate attempt to appear geopolitically relevant despite having sabotaged its single greatest trading relationship, costing its own economy billions of pounds of growth as a direct result? Exactly! Well then, I guess my main concern, Sebastian, is that our involvement in this arrangement ties us directly into this emerging Cold War between the US and China. In the event of Chinese military aggression against Taiwan, what happens now? You heard Boris Johnson this week, Sam. The pact emphasises our commitment to the defence of democracy and the rule of law. That couldn't be clearer. International law, you mean? Precisely. Okay, that's interesting. So... What you're effectively saying is that ducking your legal culpability is inexcusable, and no matter how great the physical distance between parties or the time elapsed, everyone should be held accountable for their actions. Well, it's it's a bit long-winded of you, but yes, I suppose so. And does that extend to civil liabilities under law as well? I'm not quite sure how that's relevant, Sam, but yes, I suppose so. Excellent. Just wanted to really pin you down on that one. So, as our royal correspondent, how do you feel about Prince Andrew spending the last two weeks trying to duck the lawsuit for sexual assault filed against him by Virginia Dufresne? Oh, this is fucking abominable, you underhanded bloody cur. Look, you've been dodging my calls all week, Sebastian. This is the only way I could get you into the studio to even discuss this. This is outrageous subterfuge. You've trivialised the this news story of the week, and for what exactly? To once again attempt to humiliate our great monarch. I just want you to actually stick to your sodding remit and acknowledge the biggest scandal currently facing the royals, without your usual bloody obfuscation. Oh, please! You're nothing but a shit-stirring little prole. You want to pin me to the spot, do you? Fine. What do you actually want from me, you rank bastard? I just want you to acknowledge the story, that's all. Fine, he's a nonce, all right? He's a colossal fucking nonce, and everyone knows it. And everything he does is to try and duck the accusation. Literally everything just makes it even more obvious. Um, I'd, uh, 
I'd just like to make it clear to our listeners at home that IC News correspondents are technically independent freelancers and that their views do not necessarily reflect the sentiments or potentially libelous accusations of the network as a whole. Oh, who's ducking the legal culpability now, you sneaky little shithouse? He's a nonce, a big bad nonce, a lesser-spotted Didlosaurus Rex, a big sweatless wrong'un. He's a Falklands paedophiles veteran. Nonce, 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 nonce. I see news endorses this message. And that seems like as good a time to cut a microphone as any other. Sebastian Forlock, thanks for joining us. You motherfucker. Now, the AUKUS arrangement may have been the biggest story of... Oh, hang on, I've just got it. AU, UK, US. AUKUS, right. It's like a three-way portmanteau where the UK is the one getting spit-roasted in the middle. Great. With the centre of the geopolitical human centipede. Anyone who's seen the movie knows that that's clearly the best place to be, I think. Sorry, I've got distracted, which is exactly what Boris Johnson wanted this week, as he announced a big cabinet reshuffle smack in the middle of the raging debate over his decision to break not just one, but two giant manifesto promises, by hiking taxes and shattering the triple lock on pensions. Some significant political heads have already rolled this week, and others have bafflingly stayed in place or been promoted. Tom King has had the key to the dimensional gate for the last few days, and he's been travelling the multiverse to try and figure out just what the fuck our new culture secretary is even on about. Thanks, Sam. It's been a nail-biting few days for Conservative ministers, and a thrilling orgy of speculation for political journalists. Cabinet reshuffles are some of the most exciting days imaginable for your average Westminster media hack, and many of them have been fapping themselves senseless outside number 10 for days now. Boris Johnson has been summoning his toadies one by one to either fire or rehire them, and we've been left with a refreshed government packed to the gills with exactly the same towering level of talent as before. Gavin Williamson was the first to go, and he's out entirely. The Education Secretary, who somehow had the Prime Minister's full confidence through every blundering fuck-up, was suddenly too useless to stay in his post. It's truly a case of closing the stable door after the horse has accidentally burned down the entire building and ruined the educational prospects of an entire generation of foals inside it. But fuck it, I and everyone else in the country will take it. I never thought I'd say this, but there is literally zero chance that Nadim Zahawi can possibly do a worse job. For him, it'll be like taking over Harold Shipman's GP practice. Sure, there's a lot of trust to win back, but... Come on. Poor old Gavin wasn't the only one to go either. Robert Buckland is gone from justice. Presumably because he couldn't figure out the precise legal justification for feeding Extinction Rebellion protesters and channel migrants directly into a wood chipper on site. Big Bobby Jenrick is also dismissed from housing, which is always a difficult post for any Conservative. The trick is to talk lots and never actually build anything so that house prices stay absurdly high in the shires and homeowners keep voting Tory. Now, with all the talk of levelling up, however, that approach doesn't really wash. So in comes the great radical and reformer, Michael Gove. He gets a tasty new ministerial job in the same week that we were treated to the audio of his student debate days. It turns out that figuring out exactly where to build the 300,000 houses a year the government have promised roughly translates to stamping on the cruel, dirty, toothless face of the northerner. 
<laughs> that should help them retain their seats in the red wall. Perhaps the trickiest task Boris Johnson had, though, was persuading Dominic Raab to accept an obvious demotion. The turd 1000 wasn't having it at first, so he's been effectively placated with the utterly meaningless extra title of Deputy Prime Minister. It makes his position as Johnson's preferred human meat shield official, but the end result is ultimately the same. Raab is out as Foreign Secretary and Liz Truss is in. Truss? is a woman whose expertise in either rolling over the terms of some of our previous existing EU trade deals or rolling over entirely in pursuit of a new one with Australia makes her unfathomably popular with the Brexit base. Having successfully clawed back roughly 0.005% of the trade we've lost, she's about the biggest political success story to come out of Brexit. As a result, she's now in charge of our diplomatic entanglements across the globe. This is the woman who thought importing cheese was a disgrace. I can't wait to see how she reacts when she finds out about China's persecution of Muslims. And then there's our new culture secretary. Chris Tarrant in a funhouse mirror has been given his marching orders and he's been replaced with Nadine Dorries. (sighs) Remember at the end of the Euros when the country rallied around the England team and Boris Johnson and his allies had to frantically backtrack and pretend that they've never had an obsession with the culture wars? Because I do, and appointing Doris is a clear indication that the battlefront is opening up once more. She's a woman who's eaten ostrich anus on ITV, but is most famous for being a massive and inflammatory knobhead. Left-wing snowflakes are killing comedy, tearing down historic statues, removing books from universities, dumbing down panto, removing Christ from Christmas and suppressing free speech. That's just one tweet. Making her culture secretary is a massive and obvious troll move designed purely to wind up the left, which is why I'm not rising to it. Instead, I've been travelling the multiverse to back Nadine Dorries up. I, for one, am absolutely livid about Snowflake's dumbing down Panto. I remember the good old days of highbrow intellectual Panto, which is why I've come here. This is Earth Delta Romeo, he's behind you, 69. And it's Nadine Dorries' idea of paradise. University libraries are fully stocked. Statues are proud and erect. Comedy is very much alive. Christ is balls deep in Christmas and pantomime is granted the cultural importance and intellectual respect it's always so thoroughly deserved. Take this performance for example. Hello there, boys and girls. My name's Buttons, and by breaking the fourth wall to address you like this, I'm making you directly conscious of the fact you're watching a play. It's what we call the classic Brechtian technique. Here, Billy Pierce is truly one of the defining talents of modern theatre. Oh, now where's me cock gun? <laughs> it's the So he is, you naughty cock, always sneaking up on me like that. 
Now stop right there. Let's freeze in tableau, thus forcing the audience to really engage with and contemplate the metaphorical imagery of the mise-en-scene. Oh, you know what? I I take it back. Panto's just as shit here as it is everywhere else, and Nadine Dorries is fucking welcome to it. I'm Tom King, sneaking out in the interval, reporting for IC News. Oh, that bloody cock has snuck off again. Where's he gone now? <laughs> it's the As big a distraction as the cabinet reshuffle was intended to be, here at IC News we stay doggedly on task, by which I mean we also walk up to last week's news, cock our leg, and urinate all over it to assert dominance. Boris Johnson's decision to hike national insurance by 1.25 percentage points in order to address the NHS backlog and then, eventually, drop a little splash in the dry ocean bed of money needed to fund social care has generated him plenty of criticism from across the political spectrum. It's a tax hike that threatens to hit working families and low-income households the hardest. And I, for one, am shocked. Shocked, I tell you. This is my shocked face. You can't see it, but I'm shocked. Tax law can be complicated and difficult to understand, particularly for younger people who intentionally aren't taught about it properly in school, precisely so that these absolute bastards can keep getting away with this shit. Here to explain things clearly for their kids, it's our youth correspondent David Stanier. Hi kids, I'm excitable newsboy David Stanier, and ooh boy, it's a super fantastic feeling to be talking to you again. There's nothing I like more than taking the complicated grown-up news, making a Y-shaped incision to open up its breastplate, and then ripping out its internal organs before they can spoil the meat. Meat that I can dice into nice, digestible child-sized chunks for all of you. But always retain the liver, heart and kidneys, kids. They're full of iron and flavour, and when you're hiding in the new forest to escape the authorities, you'll need all the calories you can get. Squish them into the shape of dinosaurs for a bit of fun. I'm here today to talk to you about national insurance. Ugh, God! Sounds really boring, doesn't it? I can hear you now. But, Mr David, I'm just a child. I don't want to worry about grown-up rubbish like insurance. I just want to eat Haribo and play ball games with my friends. And I hear you guys, I really do. When I was your age, father and me, climbing ropes in the gymnasium, drilling the beep test daily and memorising and repeating back all the nerve centres in the human body that can fully incapacitate an adult when subjected to enough direct force, all while he held back a hungry barking Rottweiler on a chain mere centimetres away from my face. Those were the days. And I'm not saying you can't enjoy your childhood the way I did. I'm just saying that sometimes it's nice to be prepared for some of that grown-up stuff. And national insurance is definitely one of those things that even some grown-ups don't understand. Don't you want to grow into the generation that's smarter than the one in charge now? I hope so, because if you don't, then we are fucked. Oops, oh, excuse me. (laughs) One for the swear jar there, naughty me. (laughs) Get out of the potty, tongue. You may have heard one or two things over the last few weeks about national insurance and the government's plans to raise it to pay for their social care plans. Now, national insurance is a form of tax meaning that grown-ups pay it out of their wages or make the proper contributions when they're self-employed. In return, when they're old enough, everyone who pays national insurance gets one of the worst state pensions in Europe. 
and access to a social care sector that's been chronically underfunded and exploited by ruthless private interests for years. That doesn't sound like a very good deal, I hear you cry. Wah, wah, I'm a big baby. And you're right. Which is why it's not great that this government have announced absolutely no plans for actually improving the standard of social care alongside these tax rises. Tax rises which, by the way, will make working in a chronically understaffed industry like the care sector even less attractive to new workers. Because it already pays terribly, and raising national insurance hits low-income workers the hardest. But raising national insurance for everyone is the fairest way to tax this, the politicians will say, wagging their big chubby fingers before they dip them into your parents' pockets. But is that right? It's time for a maths conundrum, kids. So slap on your thinking cap. Joan is a nurse working in the NHS, and she gets paid 10 apples a day. John is a landlord with a large property portfolio and his tenants give him 50 oranges a day altogether. The government asks both John and Joan for some fruit every day in taxes. Joan gives them one apple as part of her national insurance contributions. John should give them five oranges, but because he can afford to, instead he pays Jim, an accountant, two oranges. Jim fixes John's tax arrangements, now Jim gets two of John's oranges, and the government only get one, meaning John saves himself two oranges. Then, to pay for social care, the government raises taxes, but they only want it paid in apples. They cause a 1.25 percentage point rise. But because that's not how maths works, it's actually 10%. So now Joan has to pay a whole other apple, and John doesn't pay a thing, because he gets paid in oranges. Joan's poor little apple-obsessed kids go hungry and have to ask Marcus Rashford for some raisins. John gets to keep all of his oranges, and he still moans about freeloaders on benefits getting free raisins. Keeping up, kids? Of course you're not, which is exactly the point. Raising national insurance in this way is complicated. It's unfair, it hits nurses like Joan the hardest, and traditional Tory voters like John get to keep all of their money yet again. It's a sleight of hand trick. Carried out in return for repeatedly voting in the same incompetent hacks who have spent the last 10 years bringing our health and care services to their knees in the first place. If only there was another, fairer way like, ooh, I don't know, a modest income tax increase on those earning £80,000 or more a year. <laughs> if only someone had suggested something like that over the last few years. That ends today's lesson, kids. Just remember... There's really only one way to make the wealthiest pay their fair share, and that's through the direct application of force. In a fair and reasonable Britain, that force would be gentle and applied via taxation by the machinery of the state. But this is Tory Britain, so it falls on us instead. So now, let's sing our goodbye song. Jogging landlord, sharpened broadsword in the park when it's dark. Way behind a big tree, swing it at his right knee. Kill the rich, kill the rich. Yeah, my right knee in particular. Why? <laughs> Sorry, pal. I just needed an extra syllable for the rhyme scheme. Now stop making up bullshit reasons for keeping everyone's deposits, you cheeky scamp, or I'll fuck you up. <laughs> I'm David Stanier, and it's time to leg it, kids. Reporting for IC News. Oh dear.
Well, at least if that guy is left permanently disabled, he'll have a better chance of actually qualifying for state-funded social care in later life. David's report brings us to the end of our broadcast and the end of our four-episode run. We'll be back next week with the best bits of Season 5, Part 2, but until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Britain's amber travel list is scrapped, meaning that post-Brexit British tourists are now free to take holidays to exciting European destinations with only 200% more confusing admin to do. Food costs soar and wholesale gas price increases send smaller energy providers into administration, as struggling families across the country continue to really look forward to the prospect of a £20 cut to their universal credit. Cases of crippling anxiety among students are reportedly affecting school attendance, although this has seen a marked improvement in the four days since Gavin Williamson was sacked. And finally, Elton John delays his upcoming tour dates to 2023, after suffering an awkward fall at home. Apparently it was hours before an emergency crew was dispatched to assist him, as he kept telling the 999 operator that he was still standing. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.